1: Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work, and equipping leaders to do the same for their employees. So I bring on guests who have a particular perspective or experience that I think contributes to or expands this conversation. And as a management consultant and social scientist, I draw on the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years, as well as my own experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. I'll get to the program in just a moment, but. But let me thank my sponsor, Recover Mattress. As an athlete and very active professional myself, I know the importance of good sleep. And Recover Mattress is a hybrid mattress designed specifically to improve sleep for muscle recovery for active lifestyles. You can learn more about the story of how this company was founded and the mattresses they make by visiting RecoverMattress.com. There's no E after V. And if you do decide to buy a mattress, you can enjoy a 50% discount by using the code WOP50, short for Working on Purpose 50%. Last week, if you missed this, the live show, you can always catch it, via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Mac Pritchard, who is the founder and publisher of MaxList, an online community for people looking for rewarding, creative, and meaningful work. He's the author of Land Your Dream Job Anywhere and hosts the weekly podcast, Find Your Dream Job. We talked about networking and interviewing and learned about his experience in helping people change their careers when they're lost or want to discover their purpose. With us this week is Steve Gavatorta, who is the owner of Steve Gavatorta Group, which specializes in empowering individuals and organizations in identifying, developing, and exceeding performance goals. He is the author of In Defense of Adversity. He joins us today from Tampa, Florida. Steve, welcome to Working on Purpose.
2: Thank you. Pleasure being here.
1: Well, let's get as much as we can out of you in this little bit of time, <laughs> shall we?
2: Absolutely. On your market set,
1: go, let's do it. Um, <laughs> Well, I want to dive right in if we can, Stephen. First, you know, anybody who puts a book out into the universe, we all anybody that's even attempted or worked at this knows it really takes something. So there must be something behind this this idea of adversity for you. Where did the idea come from to write the book?
2: Yeah, it's a huge passion. I'm I'm originally from a small town in western Pennsylvania called Burgettstown, Pennsylvania. Burgettstown is a small town formerly known for their coal mines. Zinc mines, steel mills, it was a natural influx for immigrants from all all around the world. Mm. Um, So I grew up with every immigrant family, every immigrant uh, nationality possible around the world. It was was a great place to grow up. About five years ago, I was home for Christmas, and I asked my father, I wanted to see where he grew up. He grew up in a little village within Burgettstown called Langloth. That's where most of the coal miners, zinc miners lived. And Langloth, it's a small little village on a hill. It's nothing special, uh, just little tiny tenement houses. You know, nothing fancy, nothing special. They all look the same. So I said, let's go up. I want to see where you grew up. So we drive up there. And my father, who was a successful entrepreneur in his own rights, said, that's where I grew up, this little tiny house. that's where I grew up. There's where Dr. Spinojans grew up. There's where Dr. Moropus grew up. There's where Dr. Strassi grew up and there's where Barry Alvarez grew up. For those of you who don't know who Barry Alvarez is, he's the winningest football coach at the university of Wisconsin and their current athletic director. So it was amazing. It hit me at that point. What a wonderful story. All these immigrant families came to this little village with nothing, Not speaking each other's language, yet became doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, athletes, professors, journalists. The story was amazing. So, you know, with our crazy world we're in now, I felt I have to tell this story. The problem is I'm not a biographer. So I sat on it for a while and uh, I interviewed some of the families. And the stories they told me, Elise, were unbelievable. The trials and tribulations, their families had coming to America you know the the troubles and trials and tribulations they had growing and becoming successful in America but they all eventually did so some other things transpired over those five years that really tied into uh, the overarching theme of the book in defense of adversity and how it is more a personal and professional development book more so than a biography and the key finding that I think summarized summarize those people in that town and su- summarize the content or title of the book was the success or, or the, the, the success that these people had in this little town was due to the difficulties faced, the adversity they faced. They had nothing given them. They had tough times. They, they made it. They didn't have any doubt that they would make it in America. And as Barry Elvarez said, people from this area knew how to grind. They knew how to fight. Uh, scratch crawl to become successful and that is kind of the origin of the book if that makes sense
1: Mm, that's gorgeous Steve great way to start thank you love the story I'm inspired already (laughs) (laughs) so one of the things that struck me when I was going through your book is you you write in the first section about how we we benefit when we accept adversity as a way to make us better and stronger and that we shouldn't avoid it of course you know It would be probably easier to avoid it, but say more about this stance that you take in the book.
2: Yeah, one opening part of my book talks about accepting and acknowledging adversity. To your point, the first piece is you need to accept that adversity is going to happen in life. If you don't first accept it, you're not gonna be able to face it, you're not gonna overcome it, and you're not gonna learn any valuable lessons from it. So I talk about accepting that adversity is part of life. And that once we accept that fact, the adversity becomes, it takes a different light, if that makes sense. It looks, it appears as an opportunity more so than something that is a difficulty that I should shy away from. The acknowledgement phase is that, that yes, adversity, accept adversity happens, but acknowledge that it's brought into our lives for a reason, to make us evolve into the people we were meant to become.
1: I read that in your book, and I love that whole notion. <laughs> that just resonates with me big time. I and mean, you and I both have a similar job in life, right, in that we are, help, right, we're developing people into into higher performers, bigger leaders who, who make more impact, et cetera. So that, that whole idea really resonates with me. So, okay, I'll go run into the fire now, Steve. I'll do it.
2: Uh, <laughs> well, that might be a little bit much, but you're thinking in the right thoughts. Let's put it that way. Okay, good, good.
1: Okay, well, I certainly have a pretty good idea about why this is an important topic, but I want you to presence it for us. So why do you think that the topic of adversity is so important and relevant today?
2: Yeah, simple, simple uh, comment here. If you Google the phrase, how to deal with adversity, it returns over 21 million results. That statement to me, there's a lot of people that are seeking help for this topic right now. And, and I think people always have it. It's really hot now. So that's one validation. The second piece is I always say we are in a fast paced, high tech, ever changing, ever evolving world where difficulty should change, conflict. The need to respond to customers or other people is hitting us faster than ever. And we don't have the necessary tools many times to deal with this. So the fact that people are searching for it, I I think the fact that the times we're in uh, creates a sense of urgency as well, too. Uh, Listen, there's no silver bullet for overcoming adversity. Uh, Adversity comes in many forms. What might be a positive, productive uh, exciting challenge for one person could be a, a, a trying very difficult situation for another so it really runs the gamut so what my book tries to do is three things first help people assertive, assertively face those obstacles in their lives that ties to that acknowledging that things are going to happen right uh, the second part is hopefully successfully overcome the adversity in their lives and then the third piece is at least learn a valuable lesson from those difficulties in our lives, because those lessons we learn can help us prepare for those things that happen down the road, and it'll make us easier, better prepared for us to solve other problems that come in our paths later on in life.
1: Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things that I like to, to, to work with people that I'm, I'm either doing a program for or either I'm speaking to is we can't solve the problem that we walked in the room with. Exactly. Exactly. Right, so definitely building ourselves is important. Yes. Well, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about a few uh, examples you cite in your book that I was really back to that whole notion of how adversity helps you become who you were meant to be. And and you really struck me when you, you talked about how this is true in such areas as nature, mental health, history, that yeah. it just really was a fascinating idea for me. And I wanted to hear about a few of the people that you talked about. But first, if you can comment on these you know, these areas that you mentioned, Why, like, for example, adversity helping people. Nature be more of who it's meant, to, what it's meant to be. What would be an example of that?
2: yeah, a, a couple of things. First, it's a great metaphor for my hometown, the coal mining, right? the coal mining town. You know if you what does uh, what does a piece a diamond? what's a diamond before it's a diamond? It's a piece of coal. The pressure that that piece of coal uh, takes on eventually makes it become a diamond. You know I think that's a great metaphor for my hometown and a great metaphor of how nature ties in pressures and difficulties to make something beautiful. So that coal becomes a diamond. For anyone in athletics, you know, you gain more, if you're a a runner, you gain more strength and endurance when you run into the wind, not with the wind. Does that make sense? Absolutely, and I'm a runner, so you bet. (laughs) Same with weightlifting. When you're lifting weights, you gain more strength, muscle mass, by lifting heavier weights, hence resistance. So you know the, the, whether it be the coal and the pressure, or the resistance in running, or or, um, or uh, weightlifting. I think those are great metaphors or analogies, whatever you want to say, that prove that the difficulties we face are meant to strengthen us. I think that's that's what I mean by that piece. That I think nature has a lot of different examples of that. So. Mm. That,
1: that, uh, this is great. This is so good to help people really get their arms around why this is a good idea sure. to lean into adversity. So I wanted to, if you would, bring to life and paint for us. There's there's at least four people in the book that you mentioned around examples of this here. And one is Helen Keller. So would you say a little something about how adversity, how she embraced adversity and what that did for her?
2: Yeah, if you don't mind, I'm going to skip into someone I actually interviewed. Would that be okay? Absolutely. You bet. Anything like that, I just want to bring it to life. It's just yeah, interesting. I, you know, going to your point about Helen Keller. If you look at Helen Keller, Steve Jobs, Oprah Winfrey, Walt Disney, Abraham Lincoln, Winston Churchill, all great leaders, entrepreneurs, highly successful people, none of them came by easily. All of them faced great difficulties, failed, they were told they were failures, and they all became usually successful. So grouping those people in the one, you know, is, is one part of that. Uh, the, a person I interviewed, someone I, I absolutely love, his name's Chad Hymus. I'm not sure if you've heard of Chad, but Chad is one of the most popular speakers on the NSA public uh, uh, speaking circuit now. Chad speaks over 200 times a year, but he is as a quadriplegic. Chad Hymas was actually an elk farmer in, uh, in uh, I believe, Utah, and um, had an unfortunate accident while uh, moving bales of hay. And uh, he was moving a bale of hay and um, uh, his hydraulic fluid went out. He didn't change it and and kept trying to move the hay. And a thousand pound pound, uh, bale of hay crashed on him. And ultimately, he became a quadriplegic. Yet, he's a hugely successful speaker now. As I said, 200 days a year. It takes Chad Hymas two hours to get ready every morning. Yet, once again, he does over 200 speaking engagements a year. One of the things Chad said to me regarding adversity, and this ties into acknowledging it's meant to be in our lives for a reason. Chad Haim basically said, whether you succeed or, or not succeed in an adverse situation depends on the lens you choose to view it. If you choose to view an adverse situation as something negative, it will be just that. If you choose to view an adverse situation as as something positive, something you can leverage and use to your advantage and or learn and grow from, then it can be a positive thing for you as well, too. So, you know, uh, Chad is a great motivator, touches millions of lives a year, and he's a great example of someone who faced an incredibly, incredible tragedy and really made something of himself. Uh, he probably also has the money quote of all the quotes in my book. Uh, and it's, it goes as follows. This is from Chad Hymas. Sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think you've been buried, but actually you've been planted. Oh, that's stellar. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, that's- that, that I, I have so many people reach out to me and say, your book's great. But there is this one quote that I love. I can't remember what it was. And I always say, it's got to be the Chad Hymos quote. And I repeat it. And they're like, that's it. That's it. But doesn't that resonate? You know, th- that is an amazing, amazing quote and amazing guy as well, too.
1: hmm. Mm. This is good stuff. Good stuff, Steve. I like it. That's- well, I, I want to hear a little bit more about this. You already talked about this notion of, of, of failure. Um, and you talked about it, just how you how you look at the lens on that. And I completely agree with you on that lens is so important. But say a little bit more about how failure can be a catalyst for
2: growth. Yeah, those difficult times are the times where you can learn new things and take different steps. I can tell you my own life, my worst times have been my best times. Uh, You know, I tell a story in my book called uh, uh, The Summer from Hell. It's a story about when my parents' house, of all things, fell in a coal mine, (laughs) and we essentially lost everything um, in that accident. And um, the same year, I had to run my father's produce market, and I ended up having to do that because my father got ill and was in hospital so that summer from hell was what I call it. I had, we had to deal with the house being rebuilt, I had to run the store and I mean it was the most pressure I ever had, I was 18, 19 years old at the time. Most pressure I ever had in my life but I can tell you at least, it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it put me on a pattern, it was a catalyst for me to become the man I was meant to become and made me a man overnight. So the point is these difficult things. May seem horrible at the time, but they end up being the best things for us. If we learn to face it, try to overcome it, and once again, grow from it. So,
1: I want to talk more about that because I have a little, just a comment, but let's take a quick break first. Sure. I'm, I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Steve Gavitorta, who is the owner of Steve Gavitorta Group, which specializes in empowering individuals and organizations in identifying, developing, and exceeding performance goals. He's the author of In Defense of Adversity, Turning Your Toughest Challenges into Your Greatest Success. He joins us today from Tampa, Florida. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
3: Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose.
0: This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose.
1: If you're just joining us, my guest is Steve Gavatorta of the Steve Gapatorta Group. From small businesses on the move to Fortune 500 companies, Steve collaborates with organizations to build foundations, set goals, and eclipse their highest potential. He's the author of In Defense of Adversity, Turning Your Toughest Challenges into Your Greatest Success. We've been talking a little bit about where this book came from and really how adversity Uh, helps us grow into the beings that we can actually be next i want to get more into some of the the actual mechanics of the physiological behind it next to kind of take take the veil back a little bit if we can Um, but before we do that steve i want to go back to what we were saying before the break about this notion of how we how we can go back and look at how our failures have created us into the beings and the adversity that we that came along with that i i highly recommend and I've done this for myself as well, that you find a way to, if not at least declare those things to yourself, but to also write them down as part of the, the, the journey of identity that made you who you are. Do you do that with your clients at all or do you have a system around that?
2: Absolutely. I have something okay. called a situational debrief. <laughs> okay, great. Great. And, and, that's, and that's what I talk about. You know, the key, the third part of that, what my book does, once again, learning from adversity, you know, we, that's where we learn our valuable lessons. And I do something called a situational debrief. Uh, it consists of four parts. So in, when an adverse situation happens, whether you, and you can go back to times before, it doesn't have to be an immediate scenario. You can go to back, back to past times or do a situational debrief on something that just happened. But it's four steps. First, you want to do is capture the situation in full. Write it down. Get emotionally involved in it again. What were you feeling? What were you thinking? So capture everything you can about that situation. Secondly, capture the outcomes, good, bad, or indifferent. What good things happen? What bad things happen? Get it all on paper. Think about it all. The third thing are, is essentially, what are key learnings that I can take from this? You know, what did I learn? Uh, everything you can write about that. Once again, the good, bad, and or indifferent. And the last piece is based on that information, what are your key next steps or what would you do differently next time? So essentially, what you're doing is starting to create a process to re, either re, well, essentially, you are reliving that situation, whether it just happened or many years ago, and you're rethinking about it in a rational state of mind not the emotional state of mind sometimes when adversity strikes or in that emotional state we can't think clearly a a, a situational debrief allows you to step back when you're less emotional you're much more rational and it allows you to create those new patterns to see things differently and once again understand how I could have handled a situation differently uh, whether it be long a long time ago or recently as well too so replay it uh ca- capture the situation what are the outcomes key learnings and what are your next steps and that will enable, that will strengthen yourself for the other adverse situations that happen in your lives
1: mm-hmm. beautiful steve thank you very much for sharing with our listeners i like to be able to give them something actionable that they can take from our conversation and put into their lives and that was a, gu- a beautiful gift so thank Excellent. you perfect very good Okay, so going back into the physiological piece of this here, Steve, I, I've, I've had a little bit of exposure to this, but not very much. And I know I'd like to share it with our listeners. And so you started to talk about this a little bit earlier, but you know, when we talk about a body experiencing shock, and certainly adversity has a shock element to it. Um, You know, we might actually there's something about the hormonal piece of this. So will you say a little bit of something about what happens to us when we first get shock or adversity physiologically?
2: All right. Let's go back to talking about what I call brain functionality. There's two really essential uh, important parts of our brain, the limbic system and the cerebral cortex just to give people a little bit of background on both. The limbic system is our emotional brain. It's what we were born with. It's what we had when we were cavemen and women. Uh, it's our emotional response to adverse situations. So year, many moons ago when we were cavemen and women, a lion roared and we went and found cover. It was our, that emotional reaction to that adverse situation. Our limbic system doesn't evolve. It's what we're born with. Uh, and when you're in that limbic state of mind, your adrenaline starts rushing, and you fall into one of three emotional responses. Freeze, fight or flight which aren't good necessarily good places to be in the are common running from a bear in the woods years ago that might work but dealing with work situations personal situations business situations that's not where you want to be when you're making a decision or facing an adverse situation this cortex part of your brain is where rational thinking uh, uh, resides reason logic you fall it, it matures through time so your learnings your experiences can help develop the cortex that's where you want to be when adversity strikes in that rational state of mind you fall back on lessons learned you fall back you know you have options so you do not have to fall in that limbic state does that make sense yeah but of course the
1: magical question is how do you override that going right. to the limbic state
2: Right. Several parts here. Uh, I learned this from one of my kickboxing coaches. His name's Eric Parker, quite an extraordinary guy. He was was a former Marine. He was a SWAT team leader in the Indianapolis Police Force. And he was a certified tactical instructor and canine handler for the Indianapolis Police Force, their SWAT team. And he taught this philosophy or this brain functionality piece to those officers that he worked with. And basically his point is the skills that we teach when we enter a house on a SWAT raid are what's going to keep you alive when you're actually doing it. So you learn these basic skills and you practice them in that world world environment. So when it actually happens, you know what to do. Uh, so it, And Eric Parker really lives what he says. He was actually leading a drug raid when he was shot in the head. He had a helmet on, shot in the head and shot in the arm. It flayed his arm. Dropped his shotgun, couldn't use his shotgun, and essentially used his non-shooting hand to reload, to fire back and reload three times, and that saved his life. Essentially, what Eric said was his training, everything he fell back on, saved his life. Mm. In fact, he says 33% of police officers killed in the line of duty based on feloni's assault did nothing to prevent their deaths. The reason why, they were stuck in that limbic state of mind. So the point is, fall back on skills, fall back on your learnings, fall back on experiences so you can in turn handle these difficulties when they happen. His whole point, what I talk about in the book, is to prevent the transfer of authority From the the cortex to the limbic system because once you're in that emotional freeze fight or flight you're not going to be able to back out of it it's very hard you got to get time away and that's the point of my situational debrief so take that a step further um, think about learning practical skills either reading writing arithmetic if you're in sports the basics of that particular sports if you're learning sales training what are the fundamentals of those skills Though all those instances are base fundamental skills to learn to help you become successful. All those scenarios, whether it's reading, writing, arithmetic, dealing with the blocking and tackling of a sporting event, or training a team, you throw those people in real-world environments. So you're practicing the skills in real-world environments. That connects the dots for people on these experiences and how they apply to my world. You fall back on these experiences in life or training and development, that's what, you, that's what you need to fall back on and rely on when adversity strikes. I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the people I interviewed in my book was Ken O'Keefe. He was a, the quarterback's coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Ken O'Keefe, first thing he does, teaches those practical skills for his quarterbacks, how to throw the football properly. Then he teaches has his players put those skills in real-world environments. He says, go throw in a rain, a rain shower. Go throw against the wind, go throw into the wind. The basic point is learn how to throw in these adverse situations. So during game time, you're not surprised. You're not shocked. Does that make sense? Mm, Completely. Yes. And then then think about this, Elise, when we were in school, reading, writing, arithmetic, right? We learned, let's take math. We learned the fundamentals, addition, subtraction, multiplication. Those were the fundamental skills. Then we did what? What? we took a test, we solved problems. In other words, we were learning fundamentals and then we put those fundamentals into use in real world environments. So that's how you kind of stay out of the cortex or limbic system is you fall back on learnings experiences in life that's why I say it's just so important to use the situational debrief or to be willing to face and learn from an adverse situation because it prepares you for the future so you do not fall into that emotional state um, you follow what I'm saying
1: I do. I totally get it. Sounds to me like it takes a, a good amount of practice. Um, it does. I, right. I can well imagine this is something that we can hone over time during the course of our lives, for sure. Absolutely. And continue to build on. Now, this is not the learning mindset you talk about in your book, is it? Or is that something else?
2: Well, that's part of it. That's part of it. Learning mindset is basically, that ties back to the accepting that adversity is going to happen. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. You know that, hey, we have to have that mindset that every day is a chance to learn. Every day is a chance to be tested. Every day is a chance to learn and grow and overcome the difficulties and learn a valuable lesson. Now, going to what we were talking about, the brain functionality, that having that knowledge is helpful. And I'll add a step further, kind of to the point we're talking about and build off that cortex and limbic system. I also tie into my book and this process using a behavioral based survey to help have self-knowledge self-discovery that ties to that learning attitude the more I learn about myself. The more I'm going to be able to ha- understand how I deal effectively with effectively with adversity. So whether it's DISC or Myers Briggs, I'm assuming you've heard of those. Uh, Bo- young, both and of Baker. them. Yeah.
1: Yes, I have. I w- I would love to have you talk about this, Steve. And if you can talk about each one of the four styles, that would absolutely. be splendid. Okay. Oh, absolutely.
2: And that ties to that learning men- uh, learning mentality. If I can learn about myself, I'm going to learn better. My what what triggers me what may trigger an adverse event in my life, a situation, a person, and what my limbic system response is going to be. Because if I can understand those triggers and those limbic responses, guess what? I'm going to be able to manage that situation more effectively. I'm going to be able to avoid transferring authority from the cortex to the limbic system. So I use the DISC behavioral survey to help people understand themselves. And I tie that to that um, to that, uh the uh, understanding the, the limbic response, the triggers and, and uh, responses. So what might trigger a, so people who may not know what DISC is, let's talk that. DISC is a behavioral assessment, uh, assessment that helps people understand their behavior, their communication style, how they deal with conflict, change, risk taking, and also how to deal with other people. All these things that may, what, do what, trigger adverse responses, right? change adversity conflict other people can create these things in our lives so by understanding your style you're going to be able to understand how to better deal with these things so as example the four styles regarding the DISC behavioral survey that DISC is an acronym for the four behavior styles D stands for dominance I stands for influence S stands for steadiness C stands for compliance i talk about the book if you can understand your disc style you'll know those triggers are going to push you and what that response is going to be so a trigger for a dominant style might be losing control of the situation not being able to change fast enough and their limbic response is essentially going to be fight just to summarize it d's are fighters i's are flighters Uh, S's are freezers and C's are freezers or fighters. And mind you, people are not necessarily D or I or S or C. There are typically blends of various styles. So that emotional response of freeze, fight or flight can differ with each person. I'm a a high S, D blend. So when adversity strikes, I will typically freeze up, then I'll fight so the, the the SD are in play when adversity strikes for me. So I now know what things may trigger me and what my limbic response is going to be so I can be better prepared to deal with it, to to understand that trigger and know it's, what's going to do to me and recognize when I'm going to fall, what that limbic response looks like and when I'm falling into that, if that makes sense.
1: That was incredibly helpful. Very Excellent. helpful to me. Excellent. Yes. Um, And on that note, let's take our our last break here really quick here, Steve. Hang on. Mm I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Steve Gavatorta, who is the owner of Steve Gavatorta Group, which specializes in empowering individuals and organizations in identifying, developing, and exceeding performance goals. He is the author of In Defense of Adversity, Turning Your Toughest Challenges into Your Greatest Success. He joins us today from Tampa, Florida. We've been talking a bit about more of the, the insides of his book here. After the break, we'll continue the conversation. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops, and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose.
0: This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A L I S E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose.
1: If you're just tuning in, my guest is Steve Gavatorta of the Steve Gavatorta Group from Small Businesses on the Move to Fortune 500 companies. Steve collaborates with organizations to build foundations, set goals, and eclipse their highest potential. He's the author of In Defense of Adversity, Turning Your Toughest Challenges into Your Greatest Success. I'm your host, Lisa Cortez. So before the break, Steve, you were talking about the DISC assessment and and how how you can start to learn something about yourself in regard to how you handle or usually respond to adversity. And you mentioned the, the D style, the dominant style. What about the others? Could you say a bit more about the other three as well?
2: Yeah, the influencer, the I stands for influencer, and the influencer style is very uh, essentially an extroverted people person type style. So any adverse situation where there's a people dynamic, there's a conflict, someone is is mad at you, or um, you know you're having a personal fight in the office, a boss is not treating you well, that can trigger an adverse response and the adverb the limbic response for an influencer is to run away from it to flee it so once again those instances those people dynamics people can create a, lot of, create a lot of issues in our lives right so those people dynamics weigh very heavily on the influencer and once again their limbic response is to free or to run away from it which isn't good the steadiness style which is my prime style you know these people are, are very methodical they move at a slower pace they're very collaborative they like team environments they do not like to make quick decisions or, and don't necessarily like change so when their feathers are ruffled there's a change or a deadline that strikes right away or there's not a sense of camaraderie or teamwork those things can be adverse triggers that can set the steadiness style into that um, limbic response and for them once again it is to freeze so they freeze up and tense up that is my limbic response those are things that trigger me and my limbic response once again I've learned that and it's helped me self-manage. And then lastly, the C, C stands for compliant. The compliant people are even less risk averse. They do not like change even more than the S. Um, they're typical number crunchers. They want to do the right thing. They do not like being pressed for time or being pushed on deadlines and things of that nature. They don't like change at all. So when they're put in a situation where they have Quick change. They have to make a fast decision, or they're pushed hard for a deadline. Those things can create adverse situation, adverse triggers, and their response is either to freeze, shut down via analysis paralysis, or fight back as well too. So once again, each of these styles have their respective triggers and their limbic responses. The whole key is if I if I'm taking that learning, that mindset, that learning mentality, and understanding myself my style I'm going to be able to better manage that dynamic and once again prevent the transfer of authority from the cortex of the limbic system and in turn handle that adverse situation in a productive positive manner
1: that was incredibly useful and I got just some fantastic insight into a friend of mine and now I better understand why she responds (laughs) the way that she does in certain situations thank you very much (laughs) you're welcome you're welcome (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, the next thing I wanted to cover here, I, I think you did such a beautiful job when you helped us talk about, you know, how can we process our some of the adversity that we deal with in your system that you mentioned. Um, could you talk about the key foundational principles that underlie your book?
2: Yeah, there are four four base principles, but this is not a fluff book. This is fact-based. It has a lot of insights from highly successful people. It's scientific uh, it's really, uh, it's, it's not a fluff book. There's really four foundational pieces. We've talked about several already, but I'll review them again. The four foundational elements to how this book was formulated and, and provides the backbone for it. The first being, I interviewed over 60 highly successful people, either interviewed them directly or served that surveyed them. Essentially, I asked them five questions about adversity. What did they learn from it? How do they face it? How do they prepare for it? who influences them, any daily habits and hobbies they have to prepare them for adverse situations down the road. These successful people consisted of entrepreneurs, businessmen and women, leaders, uh, athletes, professional amateur uh, college athletes and coaches as well too. I interviewed some heavy hitting folks um, and the responses I got, Elise, was more than I bargained for. I have over 300 Uh, insightful pieces from these people. I was shocked at how awesome it was. It really warmed my heart. So I couldn't put all that in my book. That is a foundational part of my book, how these people dealt with adversity. So what I basically did, I tried to get everyone involved at least once in my book. So you'll understand how various people deal with these difficult situations. Once again, as experts. Um, In fact, I had so much information. uh, I have something on my website called the Sage Insights Uh, recap and people can go on my website and download that for free and they can actually see all the insights that I collected from these 60 highly successful people and I do a YouTube site as well too where I review these tips every day one person at a time so people can actually hear this this wisdom and I call it once again sage insights so that's the first foundational piece. The second foundational piece is brain functionality. What we talked about already, the limbic system and cortex, uh, piece. And then the third piece is a behavioral assessment disc or any Jungian based assessment is a, is the third foundational element. And the last uh, foundational element is essentially my, uh, my experience as a coach, leader, manager, business owner prior to owning my business, which I've done for 15 years, I spent 21 years in corporate America across various roles, uh, roles and responsibilities I faced and seen many different things. So the fourth foundational piece is essentially my background and experience as a business owner and in corporate America.
1: Got it. That's fantastic. I really appreciate the research, Steve. I also am a researcher. I also found it to be a privilege and a delight and an inspiration to, to do that research. So I can really appreciate it. And I also know how much work it is. So hats oh. off.
2: Yeah, thank you, thank you.
1: I just need to write my book, that's all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I read, read those insights and you'll, you'll be inspired. On those down times, you'll definitely be inspired. So I,
1: I think it's important to consume inspiration daily. I recommend it. That's part of the reason that I host this show. So happy that you, we, you've shared that with our listeners.
2: That's Absolutely. great. Can I throw a question back to you? Yeah. Do you like writing? Is that, a, is that something easy for you or is that something that is, is tough for you?
1: I do like writing and I have, um, I'm, I'm kind of a geek in some ways, Steve. I, I <laughs> like, I like thinking, I like research and I That's like it. writing. Um, however, um, certainly it, I find that I'm not as, it, it doesn't come as easily to me as it used to when I was yeah. in school.
2: Yeah. How's that for an answer? Yeah, same, 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 almost the same here. I just don't like it as much as you do. <laughs> Where <laughs> I was going with this for you and myself, I, I look at writing a book, as a way of testing myself and helping myself become stronger and putting myself in an uncomfortable environment to grow. You follow what I'm saying? I do and I like that. And and that's, you know, I I talk a lot about, you know, some things, daily habits, and we can get into that later. But one of them is, you know, I call testing yourself. And that's throwing yourself in uncomfortable environments. I don't like writing and I don't necessarily like writing a book and I knew going into this is my second book that it was going to be a difficult experience at the same time I was dealing with hurricane that was a hurricane Irma Um, uh, there was a main water main break above me in my uh, condominium and uh, my best friend uh, almost died from a heart attack so while I was writing the book uh, many things adverse things happened as well too so the whole process was a test for me, it was an opportunity to help me do something out of my box and grow from it. And that's what I recommend people do as well too to prepare them down the road. Do something that tests you, that stretches you. If you wanna become a public, if you're afraid of becoming speaking in front of an audience, whether you wanna be a public speaker or you just have to do it in your job, go take a class, stretch yourself, put yourself in that environment and that's gonna enable you to grow and become able stop worrying about things and enable you to better over, overcome and face things, those obstacles in your life as well too. So I wanted to just parlay off that in a little bit as well too, because you know it's relevant to helping keeping that to your point that what you talked about earlier on my book that learning mindset. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, to that point, you're reminding me, Steve, I'm soon going to go on vacation to uh, Sydney, Australia, and Auckland, New Zealand. And um I have two coaches that I work with because I think if you're you're up to something in life, you need help to get there. Absolutely. And I I need two 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 coaches. And one of my coaches said, Well, there's one thing you have to do if you're going to go to Sydney, you got to do the bridge walk. <laughs> I, I am. Pretty afraid of heights, Steve. Yeah, pretty yeah. pretty afraid of heights. Likewise. And I'm I'm committed to doing this. Now, when I, I lived in Brazil years ago and I tried to get over my fear of heights by by hang lighting. Yeah. I thought thought if I could run and jump off a cliff, you know, that I could maybe get over my fear of heights, which seemed to work really well until the <laughs> second time I did it and we crashed on the beach. But anyway, I'm still working at this. I, I'm gonna embrace this, so thank you.
2: Well I, have yet, well I have yet to let the tarantula walk on me so I'm, there's still things I haven't done as well either <laughs> I want to say I want to say one other thing you know I talk in my book you know daily habits you can do to strengthen yourself for adversity I talked about one we just been have been talking about the testing yourself I want to commend you because you do another one of my recommendations the, the another one is called supporting yourself using a coach finding a mentor. You know, someone you can bounce ideas off when a difficulty strike or bounce an idea off. So those are daily habits I recommend for people, you know, supporting yourself through a mentor, a coach, family member, someone you can lean on, a trusted person. That's going to help you become stronger during those adverse situations instead of doing something alone. Or, in, or, or you have someone to fall back on and, and, and rely on. And once again, that testing yourself, stretching yourself. These two things are part of the four daily um, habits I recommend that can help strengthen people and prepare people for those adverse situations that lie you know, down the road.
1: Mm, thank you for that. I, I appreciate the idea of putting in daily habits. Another nice a nice takeaway for our listeners too. So nice gift. Thank you, Steve. Excellent. We're getting close to running out of time, so a couple more questions I want to get out of you yes. if I can, just real quick. So, you know, when you were interviewing these various people here, um, one of the things you asked them is, as how have you leveraged adversity to your advantage? What have you gained or learned that you wouldn't have if, you, if you'd given up? Um, what are some of the things that people said to that question?
2: Yeah, I think, just to recap, I think the overarching theme of the interviews of these people, they basically do not fear adversity. They look at adversity as opportunity. They look at adversity as something to overcome and learn from. I mean, that is why I believe these people are successful. So the lessons were varied depending on football coaches, business owners, Uh, so it ran the gamut. But I think the main thing that enabled them to learn lessons or do become successful was their willingness. To look to not fear adversity. To look at that. To and once again, it ties back to my accepting and acceptance acknowledgement. Accepting that adversity is going to happen, and acknowledge it's meant for us to evolve into the people we were meant to become. And I think that's the common thread. The learnings varied from each person depending on their role and responsibility. Does that help? Does that answer? Yeah, the question that's for that's, listeners?
1: that's gorgeous. And Excellent. it also reinforces some of the things we've been talking about as well, which is great. Absolutely. Um, and is that the main? key takeaway that you want your readers to get or is there something else in addition to that
2: yeah it's basically that that you can't run from adversity you yeah. can't run from difficult people accepting that that's part of life and then the second part of this to acknowledge that it's meant to be on our lives to help us evolve into the people we were meant to become at least my most difficult t- times have been my best times no you know, question I, I no question no my- question I talk about my summer from hell. I often think about what I would have done. See, when I, my parent, my house collapsed into mine, or house collapsed into mine, my dad got sick. We didn't. I didn't have to run the market. That I originally, it, it was the worst thing that happened to me. It was either Steve. We don't run the market. And we apply for welfare, or Steve runs the market. We overcome this, and I chose, thank God, to run the market. And it was one of the. It, it helped me become a man overnight I often think of what would have happened if I didn't do that mm-hmm. um, I often mm. I, have a, I have a keynote speech you know called uh, ShopRite hates Kodak it's my last corporate job and it was essentially a story about my toughest retailer my toughest customer ever I mean they they were brutal they didn't trust us And I was able, fortunately, through multiple reasons and hard work, to turn that situation around and turn a horrible situation into a positive situation. That's another example of my roughest corporate scenario that was my best corporate scenario. And in fact, now at least I get paid To speak keynotes and workshops on that situation, so that adverse situation is still paying dividends to me today. So
1: nice, nice, nice return. Yeah. Well, thank you for all of that. It has been wonderful to have you on the show. We're really almost out of time, but I want to give you thirty seconds for what you might want to leave our listeners with today.
2: Yes, essentially, life is school, or life is. It's look at life as school. Every day you're in school. Every day school's in session every take advantage of it every day offers us opportunities to face overcome and learn from the obstacles in our lives even those little frustrations if we can learn how they trigger us what our response is going to be and we and if we deal with it differently we train our cortex part of our brain to lurk that experience as something positive those little wins are going to help us on those bigger difficult times and help us win in those bigger moments, I should say, as well, too. So look at life as school. Every day is an opportunity to learn. Take advantage of it.
1: Sounds like words to live by. Thank you so much, Steve. Really appreciate meeting you, having you on the show and sharing you with my listeners. Thank you so much for being with us.
2: Likewise, likewise.
1: If you want to learn more about Steve Gavatorta, his book or the work he and his team do, visit the website. It's gavatorta.com. That's G-A-V-A. Steve, help me out.
2: Gavatorta, G-A-V-A-T-O-R-T-A.com.
1: There you go. And I like so much better how you say it. <laughs> and next week, we'll be on the air with Lauren Midgley, who is a business and franchise consultant, author, and speaker. We'll be talking about her book, Awake, Strategies to Increase Profits for the Franchise Owner and Other Insomniac Business Owners. See you then. Remember that work is at least one-third of our life, so let's work on purpose.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.